Anyway, so it is May 26, 2019. And for the vast majority, probably everybody, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. But for me, the last couple of months, it has been this big looming shadow over my head that I felt, man, it's, it's coming. It's coming. It's oh, got the three weeks. You know, when Corky preached, I was like, oh, it's, it's real now. It's getting real. Corky's had his turn. And here it is. It's one of those days that you don't think we'll ever get here. And you kind of hope it never does. It definitely gives you more of a, an appreciation for our pastor, who I hope is really enjoying himself right now. So, guys, uh, it's probably no surprise to you guys that uh, um, as I preach, we will be looking into Ecclesiastes this morning. Um, I think I've made it well known that Ecclesiastes, uh, as of a year or so ago, a couple years ago, became my favorite book of the Bible as I remember reading it going, oh, that sounds like me writing this stuff. Man, thinks like I do. All jaded and skeptical. It was great. So Solomon, he kind of uh, seems like somebody that I feel like I could maybe hang out with. Uh, not the not the younger, uh, you know, woman crazy, big spender Solomon, but the older Solomon, the one who I picture writing Ecclesiastes. Uh, this Solomon, he kind of if, if everybody's seen the uh, commercials, um, what is it? The world's uh, most interesting man or something like that. Kind of. Solomon's been there, done that. I feel like he's somebody almost like John Rosima. You could sit and talk to him and say, I wonder what would happen if this. And, and Solomon would say, well, I did that a few times, and, and this is what would happen. I wonder what would happen if, if this or that. Yeah, I did that too, and uh, it wasn't that great. Solomon has truly been there and done that. You know, I imagine him being on the really on the back end of his life, um, and like I said, he's a lot like me. He's jaded. He's skeptical. He's really thinking things through. And he's a, a professional people watcher as well. So I think I've told you guys every time I come up here that what I will share with you is what God has been taking me through in life. And thankfully, I only come up here maybe once or twice a year if, I'm, if I've been bad. Then... Uh, then I can really just kind of dump on you everything that God's been bringing me through in life. And so a couple, two and a half, three months ago, I uh, started having this pain in my shoulder. And I know there's a good portion of you guys who have heard this uh, 12 dozen times now. And you're like, oh, gosh, have I got to listen to his shoulder talk again? Well, you do, because there's like five of you haven't heard it. So a few months ago, I started having this pain in my left shoulder and it. It was kind of like the same type of pain that I've had over the years, just a pain in a joint that eventually goes away after a couple of weeks. Usually if you uh, push harder, it goes away or another pain comes to replace it and it's OK. But this one, man, it just it, it seemed like it wasn't going away and it was really starting to affect um, my, like my workouts and stuff like that. And it was really getting frustrating. And um, so eventually Michelle decided I needed to go see a doctor. And because uh, I don't know that I would have ever done it. 
But after going and seeing a couple of, of pretty uh, smart doctors, um, it, it kind of came to be known that there's some, some pretty decent damage in my shoulder and that if I keep on going the way I've been going, um, it's just going to get worse from here. And so, um, honestly, it, it, I know we, we kind of, I giggle about it. Uh, it's not that big of a deal, I guess, in the grand scheme of things. But really, uh, the last uh, couple of months, I've, it's kind of been hard on me. Um, I know there's guys like Tom and Tom and Grenville who can uh, ray, roll their eyes at, oh, you had some shoulder pain? Whatever. Okay. <laughs> Too bad for you, Sam. I'm so sorry that you've had some shoulder pain. Little arthritis? Hmm. Buckle up. But honestly, it's been tough on me because these were doctors who were telling me that one of my main most hobbies since my teens was to lift weights. I mean, that's just something that I've just always loved to do. And now these doctors are telling me, I'm probably going to need to stop. What? I'm only 37. Doc, really? I thought I'd get this talk when I was really old, like 57, and, and life was done. You know, and I didn't care anymore. That's when I thought I'd hear this news, you know? Give me 20 more years. Not 37. You know, I remember when I was 21, uh, I was diagnosed with cancer. And when I was 31... I almost had my head shot off. But man, when a doctor told me I couldn't bench press anymore, it hit me. It wasn't funny. It was no walk in the park, that part of it. And I'm kind of giggling and I'm, I'm making light of it. But honestly, guys, this is, is uh, talk about being humble. Uh, honestly, I, it had me very depressed. I mean, depressed. Um... And it's something that God is just now, really in the last couple of weeks, bringing me out of. But what God did for me, among several things during this time, was he really actually brought you guys to my heart um, throughout all of this. Now, once a month, the uh, elders and deacons, we get together for kind of a business meeting. And we talk about all the church ins and outs and all this kind of stuff. And then... Uh, Our meeting ends with about a 30-minute time of prayer. Um, And then another time during the month, the elders and their wives get together, and we share a little meal together. And then we end with a good 30- or 40-minute time of prayer. And what's been consistent over the last couple of years about these uh, prayer times is, is the list. It's just constantly full of people within our body who are going through physically tough times. Whether it's getting old and dealing with that, or sick or injured, illnesses, diseases. For the last couple of years, it has been very consistent. And I think you guys have been on our heart, and I think that's obvious. Me and Corky didn't get together and say, hey man, what are you going to preach about? We didn't do that. And I think if you guys heard Corky's sermon a few weeks ago, you heard his heart. And his heart was for you guys. And I think God's working on something here. 
You know, I took it a step farther. Corky uh, said that he came up with the list in his mind. That's not a big deal. Of all the ailments of the people in the church, I took it a step farther and I actually typed it out. And it's pretty amazing. I'm going to review it with you. If you'll let me find it in my notes. And these things that I'm going to share, these are issues. And I say this every time. We need a bigger podium. Where's my woodworkers at? Need a bigger podium. Ah, here we are. These are issues, guys, that have been brought up uh, publicly. There's it's, it's nothing. I'm not betraying anybody's trust by sharing these things. Uh, so don't get nervous. Um, with the exception, I'd say probably of one thing. So Jack and Marlene Allen. Other than the fact that they're just having to deal with uh, getting old, they've had several little things over the years, not to mention the fact that very recently Jack had some skin cancer taken off. Larry and Shirley Barrett, it's no secret that Larry suffers from some pretty significant um, back issues and has for many years now. Uh, Ed and Ann Black, um, I started to make a list of Ann's issues and then I, I quit because I ran out of ink. Uh, Iris Clark, her husband Gene just passed away not too long ago. And even before that, he suffered from Alzheimer's for years. And now Iris' sister, Jean, is suffering and is uh, on the brink of meeting the Lord. Butch and Beth. Uh, Butch is, also has a bad back that has uh, uh, had him suffering for many years. He can't even cut grass anymore. Kenny and Janice, uh, they're in a unique situation like some uh, a few other people here. Uh, they've both got mothers that are that they're having to care for at this point in life because of their uh, medical issues and the fact that they're growing older. Also, their son is in harm's way, physical harm's way, as he's overseas in the middle of a war. Tom and Janet Hunter. Tom is basically held together by duct tape. No offense, Tom. (laughs) I'm glad you can laugh about it. And Janet, she's got continuous, ongoing, sometimes mysterious medical issues. Kirk and Mary Lou, we just prayed, uh, I believe it was last week. We we prayed that Mary Lou could sleep better. And we also praise God that she finally got, what was it, like nine hours of sleep? And that was a big deal. Jeff and Cookie Liverman, this is one that I don't know is major public. So hopefully Jeff doesn't punch me. But Jeff suffers from MS, and uh, Jeff is a, a tough dude because you wouldn't know it, honestly. Um, only, I guess, the closer people to him kind of know that. He does not talk about it. He doesn't complain about it, but he does, and it's probably stopped him from doing many things in life that he wishes he could do. Uh, Helmet and Janet, it wasn't too awful long ago that Helmet was laid on the side of 460 having a heart attack. His cars drove past him laughing at that guy laying down. Not to mention Janet just got over, talk about a mysterious illness, disease that came on. She's just now learning how to walk again. That's page one. Grimble and Barbara Maitland. Grimble's in, I don't, I don't even know. I, I don't, he's got a lot of things going on. 
but he's also one of the toughest guys you'll ever meet. Bobby and Lucille Martin, uh, they've had a lot of, both of them have had some serious medical issues lately. Floyd and Millie Rank. Floyd's the reason I got to wear this face mic for the most part, because he can't hear. We prayed over that many a times. Nevin and Eileen Rank, again, it wasn't long ago that their daughter Alyssa had uh, open heart surgery. And they're also dealing with aging parents. Even to the point where Floyd has to get signed permission to participate in some things next week from Nevin. I just found that out this morning. That's a big deal. Wanda Reynolds, well, she's either perfectly healthy or she doesn't talk about it very much. But we all know the the effort and the work that she puts in looking after her parents. Robert's family, uh, over the years, they've constantly had to um, make different arrangements because their daughter Kelsey has pretty pretty significant asthma. John and uh, Yannicka Rosima. John just recently had an eye procedure done, not to mention all the issues they've had to battle over the years. Eric and Devin Simon, Noah's allergies are constant thing that they need to watch over in life. Uh, Carol Suggs, she's fit as a fiddle. <laughs> Other than the last two years of her life where it's been one thing right after the other. It's turned her life upside down. Kevin and Robin Warren. Uh, Robin suffers from uh, pretty significant migraines. John and Barbara Wine. Uh, John just had a very scary medical uh, issue going on with him. David and Betty Wood, uh, they just uh, lost David's aunt after caring for her for many years. White and Pat Ray. Pat has some pretty significant uh, breathing issues that she's always struggling with. She can't even get to talking too much. Corky and Diana Abernathy. Uh, Corky has nothing wrong with him. At all. Diana, however, has had long-term back issues, and it doesn't look like it's going anywhere. Eric and Hope Styles. Hope has ongoing medical issues. And I'll tell you what, I don't know everything about it, but I know this, that, man, to, to be exhausted, to feel exhausted and sleepy like you haven't slept in so long, but it's not night-night time. It's a terrible feeling. Uh, Emily Gilbert, just a few years ago, uh, had a very terrible leg break um, that I would say impacted her life slightly. France and Sarah Gilmore, they're also people who are looking after aging parents. So I know that took me a while to get through that list, and that is not an exhaustive list. So if you're sitting there going, what about you didn't mention my such and such? Well, it's because I forgot about it or something like that. And I, I am sorry about that, but I think that paints the picture that I'm trying to get across that we could pray for days. So I mentioned that I really like Solomon and I want to look at chapter 12 real quick um, of Ecclesiastes and you'll see the reason why. Let me find my notes here again. Solomon, oh boy. 
You gotta be kidding me. I'm gonna have to actually open up my Bible. No, I'm not. Ecclesiastes 12. He says, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble. He's talking about our bodies getting weak and fragile and the strong men stoop. He's talking about how we just don't stand up quite as straight as we used to. When the grinders cease because they are few, start to lose our teeth. And those looking through the windows grow dim. When the doors of the street are closed and the sound of the grinding fades. Talking about losing your hearing. When people rise up at the sound of birds. Notice how sometimes old folks, man, they can get up the crack of dawn for nothing. But all their songs grow faint. When people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets. You know, you hear stories about guys who will tell you, man, I used to I could climb a tree and and cut the limbs down and all that kind of stuff. I don't even want to go up on a stepladder anymore. I'm only 37 and there's some silly stuff I used to do that I wouldn't I wouldn't dare do it. When the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along again, talking about our bodies as they grow weak and fragile and desire no longer is stirred. We're talking about that kind of desire. Adults. Then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed, a weak spine and the golden bowl is broken. Your mind starts to go. Before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well. Talking about that heart not working like it used to. And the dust returns to the ground it came from. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Solomon here, I believe, is, is old and he's reflecting on life. He's got experience and wisdom. Like I said, he's a professional people watcher. But honestly, what he's doing, he's he's using poetry. This is supposed to be poetic. That's the style of writing here is poetry. A lot of times poetry is pretty and all this kind of stuff. But Solomon is not painting a very pretty picture here of how it is to grow old. He's not painting a very pretty picture of. Of what happens to our bodies. You know, falling apart is part of the curse, and it's very tough. It's hard. The physical life or physical side of life, um, as we get older, gets harder. And that last little part, verse 8, he says that, man, when you put stock in, when you bet on your body, it's meaningless. It's going to fail you. This body is not meant for eternity. 
physical ailments like sickness and disease, natural deterioration and outright injuries make up a good portion of the suffering that we will go through in life. And that is evident from the list that I just read to you guys. That's evident from the fact that the vast majority of our prayer concerns when we get together are physical ailments. Somebody's sick. Somebody's got this disease. So what do we do with all this mess? Solomon's painted a a very realistic picture that I appreciate. He doesn't beat around the bush. But what hope do we have if that's kind of what we're looking at? If we went on to finish up uh, chapter 12 and in the book, we would hear Solomon say, in my words, I've lived life to the fullest. I've done everything there is to do and look for pleasure, pleasure and fulfillment and satisfaction everywhere. And at the end of all of it, the only thing that matters is living for God. So what do we do with all this mess? We look to Christ. So if we turn to Romans chapter 5. I'm going to read 1 through 5. I'm reading out of the NIV, so I apologize if yours reads slightly different. But I'll read, it says, starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. And this is where he starts to lose us. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope and hope does not put us to shame. And that's where I'll stop in verse five. I just want to say this. I wish that this is how I reacted to trials and tribulations and pain and suffering in my life. I wish that I gloried in it, that I celebrated it. Honestly, typically, uh, it takes me several minutes, uh, several hours, a few days sometimes, a couple of very long months to finally get to where I go, oh, I see, Lord. I see what you're getting at now. I feel you. It takes me sometimes a very long time to have Christ's perspective on things. His perspective on whatever it is that I'm going through. So it says in verse 3 that we glory in our sufferings. And I said that's where it starts to lose us a little bit. Glory in our sufferings. That sounds a little... Uh, Crazy, right? To be excited over our sufferings, so to speak. Now, how in the world are we going to do that? If we look in three, continue on in three and then into four, it says, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, 
and then character, and then hope. Suffering produces hope. It's a tough concept. But our good friend, the late R.C. Sproul, who is smarter than uh, probably all of us combined, if we left out Jeff and, and a few other people, then yeah. He's probably smarter than the rest of us all combined. And R.C. Sproul says this, and if you like to take, write down quotes, if you like quotes, then these are some awesome ones. He says, hope is faith looking forward. Hope is the anchor of our soul. Think about it. Without hope, what on earth do we have? Hope is faith looking forward. Well, that's us just hanging on as tight as we can to the promises that God has given us. He says, hope is one of the main most fruits of justification. And if we look back at Verse 1, it says, man, we have been justified. So if you are a believer in Christ here today, you have been justified. And one of the most, one of the best fruits of that justification is hope. If we look at the Mount Rushmore of fruits from justification, we would look at 1 Corinthians 13. 13, it says, faith, hope, and love. So that means that hope... Now, of course, it says love is the greatest of all of them, but hope still made it up there. It's a big deal. He goes on to say this, and these are my two favorite ones. So get your pencil ready. He says tribulations in life puts muscles on the soul. Puts muscles on the soul. So I guess the opposite of that would be if you haven't had a whole lot of hard times in life. You've had a pretty easy going life. If that's what you're seeking out as an easy life. The end result may be a pretty puny soul. And lastly, from R.C. Sproul, well, not lastly, but for now, he says that character is forged through the crucible of pain. Wow. And it sounded awesome, but I wanted to look up crucible. So if you're like me going, yeah, that sounds great. What does crucible mean? Crucible is a situation of severe trial leading to the creation of something new. Man, that brings that quote into a different light. Character is forged through the crucible of pain. No wonder Paul puts pain and suffering and trials and tribulations so high, no wonder he says we can glory in them because he knows that it's kind of like God takes this ugly piece of coal and he polishes it off and he refines it. And the end result is something awesome. So what are we hoping in? may have missed that. What are we hoping in? Exactly what are we hoping in? I want to read a little piece of an article. I read this several months ago now to the youth group, uh, the vast majority of which uh, either didn't hear it that night or have forgotten that I said it. So I could have just read it and they'd be like, man, that's awesome. I've never heard that before. But I saved it 
for a time such as this. It says, years ago, my grandfather was dying. He suffered terribly for about three or four months. In sorrow, I remember asking my pastor, why doesn't God just take him? Honestly, I expected my pastor to say something along the lines of, well, God has his ways and his own timing. But he said something more important that I'll never forget. He says this, because your grandfather, he said, needs to know his mortality before he meets his maker. Now, if that sounds a bit unkind or even cruel of God's part, recall that God did not spare his only son in this regard. The epistle in the Hebrews speaks of Jesus tasting death for everyone. So what are we hoping in? What's our hope? Paul's telling us we can have hope in our sufferings. Our hope is that God is at work in everything. Our hope is that no matter what we're going through. That we know that God's got a point in it. There's a reason for it. It's not just because it's not. Because we were bad and we deserve a little punishment. God's at work. Now, he might be doing a little refining. And that's not very comfortable. But he is at work. Last thing before we move on to the last point. I want to look at verse five. It says hope. So he's talking about the specific type of hope. Hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not put us to shame. Going back to R.C. Sproul, he said that one of the most embarrassing things in life is to invest or bank on what we thought was a sure thing, only to have it to fall through, leaving you let down and sometimes feeling silly. Unmet expectations. Expecting one thing, thinking you're going to get this, and this is what you get. One of the most frustrating things in life. I heard somebody describe this the other day. Unmet expectations. I don't know that he knew exactly this is what he was doing. But he was giving me some material. I believe it was Rick the other day. He was describing how he had set aside a specific time to cut some grass. He's a busy man. He owns his own business. So he set aside some time to cut his grass. And he went out there and tack on it. Mower doesn't work. So really what he had done was set aside to work on his mower and watch his grass grow. Very frustrating. Very frustrating. I know a few weeks ago we had big plans, big plans for the weekend. And it started Thursday night because we were going to go to softball with the kids and it was going to be great. And, and then Friday we had some plans and then Saturday we had some plans and then Sunday we had some plans. And it was going to be awesome. And we, we expected to have a good time. Some of it wasn't just play. Some of it was actually getting some things done around the house that we needed to. Well, lo and behold, one of our kids decides it's the best time to start throwing up. There went all those big plans, Jaden. (laughs) 
Tag on it. You know, we uh, I've got this little jujitsu team. Uh, it's it's kind of like karate, only much cooler. <laughs> got this little team that we've got, and uh, a few months ago, well, we started outgrowing our space, outgrowing our our area, and so uh, I decided to start taking up. I don't get paid for it, so I decided to start taking up some money from all the guys and girls to purchase a new mat. And the new mat ended up costing us $622. A lot of money for a mat. It was important to us. So the kind of mats that we have now, I'll, I'm going to give them a shout out because they deserve it. Tiffin mats. So this is the kind of mats we have. I got them from a guy who was in the National Guard. I thought, I'm going to get me a Tiffin mat. That's what I'm going to buy for my money. So I ordered it up. I believe it was April, April 14th or 15th. My face mic's coming off. Ordered it up, and the next day my wife says, Hey, I found this, uh, this receipt from another mat we had gotten from a, a donor. And he paid this much for this mat, and you could get two of them for cheaper than what you got the one big mat for. I said, Well, go ahead and cancel it. Tiffin, we're going to order two of those. So that's what we did. And uh, they said, Well, oh, that's fine. It'll be 30 days for you to get your money back. 30 days? You took my money in 30 seconds. I was going to take me 30 days to get my $622 back. That means I can't order the new mats for 30 more days. So I said, that's fine. I'll call them next week. So I called them and they said, oh, such and such is out. He's the only one who can answer that question. I said, okay. Well, tell him, give me a call. A week later, hadn't called me, so I called him. Oh, he's out again. He's on the production floor. I said, well, tell him to call me. He doesn't call me. Call him again. Uh, he just stepped out. You wouldn't believe it. Have you emailed him? No, let me email him. So this continues on to present day. And so last week, I told him, I said, look, just send me the mat. Never mind. I don't want my money back anymore. I just want the mat. Because see, what had happened was I went online. I'm thinking I'm getting me this awesome Tiffin mat. I went online, and what did I find when I started getting agitated with Tiffin mats was a Facebook page, or what is it called, a page? A Facebook page, and it's titled, Do Not Purchase Tiffin Mats. I said, you got to be kidding me. I said, well, let me look at the reviews on Tiffin Mats. So I started looking at Tiffin Mats. 62 reviews that are identical to what I'm going through. Jerry, with the G, is never in. They're always saying he just stepped out. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> There's lawsuits out on these people. They, they said, they'll tell you that you can have your product, but they can't get you your money back. And you'll never get your money back. And you'll never get your product. I said, oh, gosh. They said, they'll always tell you what you want to hear, but you won't get what you want. Said, oh, gosh. So I guess they, they told me a week ago, oh, well, yeah, we can get you that, but we're just waiting on the phone to come in. I thought, well, aren't you, shouldn't you just have foam beside you to put these things together? So she said, I'll call you back next Wednesday, and uh, I'll give you a status report. It should be to you in two weeks. So she didn't call me Wednesday, so I called her Friday. And uh, she said, we're still waiting on phone. I said, oh, good. That's what I thought. And um, she said, she'll call me Tuesday. I said, well, I'll call you Wednesday. And... Um, <laughs> I suppose we're going to do this the rest of our lives. 
And I'll never get my tipping mats. The point is, guys, is not to sit up here and give you a sob story. The point is, I want to paint the picture that life is totally full of disappointments and letdowns and bad investments. It's full of it. And a lot of it has to do with our physical bodies. And what Paul is telling us here is that there's one thing that will never let you down. He's saying that the hope we find in our justification through faith in Christ is the kind of hope that will never leave us with buyer's remorse. It won't leave us wanting more. It won't leave us with unmet expectations. It will not put us to shame. That's the kind of hope that he's talking about. Along the way, we will need to wait on him for his timing. We will need to die to ourselves. We will have to have a kingdom perspective. We will have to forgive people when they hurt us. We will need to be humble as we strive to live a life honoring to Jesus. But no matter what, even when we fail in all those categories, even when we fall short, God will never fall short on the promises that he's made to us. So that hope, we can, we can actually grab onto it and we can know that it's there. We can have faith looking forward. So Solomon has told us, hey, man, yeah, it gets worse. There's going to be a lot of trials and tribulations in life. And Paul is saying, hey, actually, you can there are going to be there are going to be trials and tribulations in life, but you can actually celebrate them. You can actually kind of look forward to them, so to speak, because we have hope. So are we supposed to just grin and bear it, I guess? Is that what we're seeing here? Are we supposed to just be tough and try harder next time? I know that uh, for a very long time in life that that's kind of how I approach things. Um, and honestly, being tough, gritting your teeth, it, it, it kind of works sometimes for a little while. But I know that eventually even... Even you will let you down. Even that grit, even that hard work, even that discipline, is, it's going to let you down at some point. Michelle and I, we started coming to this church 22 years ago. I was talking to somebody Friday night. They thought I was in my 20s. I said, Dwight. Not to say any names. I said, Dwight, I've been coming to church for 22 years. I'm not in my 20s. But we've been coming here for 22 years now. Since I was 15 and Michelle was 13. And we'd waddle on the front door and we'd race on downstairs. Probably not race. We weren't that young. But we'd go on downstairs to the Sunday school room. Uh, the high school Sunday school room where three of my kids go now. And we would... Uh, sit through Sunday school being taught by Scotty and Brianne Logue. And then after that, we'd come on upstairs and we'd hear a sermon from Pastor Kirk. When we came up these steps, we were always met by some of the most loving, caring people in the world. Even though, I'm going to lose this thing. Even though we were, and I'm not kidding you, we were the very, with the exception of a couple, the very definition of heathens. This was a, this was a different group of kids we had down there. Devin, though, she's smiling. 
man, we were heathens. We were. And honestly, there was a, a, a decent portion of us that we didn't, they didn't believe in Christ. But man, this body loved us and they let us do what we needed to do to see Christ. And it was a difference maker because had they been jerks to us, had they shunned us, wouldn't be here today. I can guarantee you that. So that and two other things were what attracted me to this place. The second being the worship. I remember back then, I wasn't a big church goer, but all the churches that I had gone to, uh, the worship wasn't that awesome. And this place, man, it was different. You had little short kids up here changing up, uh, what were they called? Overhead projector things. Josiah remembers, he was one of them. So we could read the music. And there was actually a guitar, not an organ. It was amazing. It was something different. But the third thing, the one I want to get to, is how this church, we prayed for each other's burdens. That was a big deal. It was different back then, and I'm sure it was because it was just so new to me. The concept of a uh, a non-generic prayer, that was very interesting. I'd say all three of those are reasons that we're still here. I want us to be sure that we never lose sight of how big of a deal praying for one another's burdens are. And there's a lot of burdens here. So let's look at James uh, chapter five. I guess I should have told you that so you could have been turning there. James chapter five, 13 through 16. Go ahead and start. It says, verse 13, it says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So if we look into this, we would see that James is kind of um, laying out some very practical answers to some of our questions in life. He says, hey, if if you happen to be joyful and happy, you're going through some awesome times. Praise God. Don't just sit there. Praise God. But he's also telling us if you're in trouble, if you're going through some trials and tribulations, if you're suffering. With physical pain due to whatever. Or if even if you're emotionally down, even if you're depressed. Even if your body feels fine, but man, up here, you're being put through the ringer. He says to pray. And then he, he goes on to say, in, in, in my mind, he's almost suggesting, he says, if, if you're struggling with prayer or sin, 
to seek forgiveness and pray. And if you're like me, which you all are, I can say this with great confidence. If you've ever struggled with sin, no matter what it is, if you've ever struggled with sin, if you've ever been going through sin where you were like, I got to get rid of this. This is ruining my life. Or I've been convicted over this. I got to get rid of this mess. It's a struggle. It's tough. And it can be put into the boat with suffering. As James does with it. He's saying the answer to all this stuff. Is not to buckle down. And try harder. He's saying that. If you're going through this stuff, the only answer you have is to pray. That's the only thing you can do with it is pray. Because the thought of digging deep down inside of you, just just dig, dig real deep. Be tough. You got to grit your teeth on this one. The concept of that, it's sleight of hand by Satan. It's just a little slight, it's just a little play on words. It's what he's doing. But in 16, he points out two things, and we're just about finished before we finish with the first part. I'm not kidding. But in 16, he points out these two things, and I want to look at two different versions uh, of, of the Bible. I'm reading out of the NIV, and if we look in the King James Version, he says, the effectual Fervent prayer. And if you're like me, you're thinking, all right, well, that's great, Sam. What's fervent mean? Well, I'll tell you. Fervent is having or displaying a passionate intensity. And then in the New Living Translation, it says the earnest prayer. Earnest means showing sincere and intense conviction. So James is not painting the picture of kind of like going through the motion or generic praying. That's not what at all what he's getting at. He's painting a picture of prayers that have conviction and confidence in the God that they're praying to. They believe that the one that they're praying to actually has the power to do what they are praying to him about. It's prayers of a righteous person, prayers of a believer. And I believe that that's the kind of prayer that this church is called to, that everybody is called to. Every church is called to that type of prayer. It's got intensity to it. So what I wanted to do this morning, guys, is. And I realize it can be a little bit awkward. And I'm going to have little Jess and little Noah come on up, as I call them. Um, what I want to do, guys, is I want us to take a few minutes. And I realize that Corky's got me preaching a long time this morning. It's late. But I, what I want to do, and I, I had this thought months ago. What I want us to do is I want us to take some time and pray together. And I'm not talking about me standing up here praying. I'm not talking about necessarily, and I'm not saying this can't happen, but I'm not saying that 
Corky will be up here with some oil, wiping it on a line of folks. I'm talking about the body, praying for the body. We need people around Tom, praying for Tom and his wife. We need people back there with the Simons, praying that Noah will be set free from his allergies. We need people up here praying for D, that God would have mercy on her back. We need people praying for the Greens' son, that God would bring him home safely. That's what we need. And so that's what I want to do here now. And again, I know that it might be awkward. So if you feel real awkward and you don't want to do that, then you can sit and you can pretend to pray or you can sit and uh, stare at that. That's fine. It's totally fine. But for the rest of you, I just want us to take some time. We're going to have a little background music going. And I just want us to pray for each other as a body. Because I believe that's what we need. I believe that's what we're called to. See, Solomon told us in the beginning that we're going to have all these trials and tribulations in life. He's not saying that, oh, you're a Christian, you're going to escape all this stuff. As a matter of fact, he says it's coming and it stinks. It's tough. It's very hard. And then Paul says, but we can have hope because of those trials and tribulations. It puts muscles on our souls. That's awesome. So we can have hope in those things. And then James is telling us, hey, your reaction when you're going through these times and we're going through it is to pray. Not to grin and bear it, not to be tougher than you were, but to pray. So let's just take a few minutes, guys, and pray.